Okay, it's happening. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's, hole at the waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ, Kate, and Bea. Let's get the neighbors. Hi, it's Vaya and welcome to Neighbours. This is the Neighbours Recap Podcast where we chat to you about the last five episodes of Neighbours that just aired and it's in a bit it's in a little bit of a different format this time because I just moved house. I've picked up the PirateNet studios and shifted them down the block. I'm now a guest broadcasting from Lauren's back shed and Everything's chaos. I don't know how characters move all the time. All the time. They just pick up and go from interstate, from next door. I don't get it. Where, where's all their stuff? Where are their childhood mementos? Where are their bills and paperwork and file and cabinets and everything? What do they do with that stuff? Are they all renting storage units? I just moved and I'm just in a pile of my own stuff. So I've set up the PirateNet Studios it's very rudimentary at this stage and I'm solo, flying solo, getting it done. I've got a few call-ins from my friends overseas, so we'll hear from them soon and I'll get through as much as I can on my own. In fact, let's just hear from Nayblog now. Nayblog is going to cover the week before last with his very succinct off-week summary. Hi, this is at Nayblog with another off-week summary. So, Jack took bad drunken acting to new heights and then woke up not remembering what had happened, as if we hadn't had enough of that in his first few weeks on the show. Paige managed to find a boxing trainer who wasn't a priest, an ex-boyfriend or both, had one session and immediately decided it was time to go pro. Therese suddenly remembered that Paul's rival operation was part owned by members of her own family, which is the kind of thing you'd think she would have thought of before. Then the relative involved, the ever unreliable Amber, signed their rights over to Paul anyway, for absolutely no reason. A group of high school students decided to do their film project in a high-class hotel room, entirely because it made a convenient plot device. Ellie spent a staff meeting showing total apathy towards school business and flirting outrageously with Ned, in front of her boss, who's also her aunt, his dad, who's also her colleague, and his sister, who's also her student behaviour which was generally encouraged by everyone. Charlie's laser tag party got cancelled because there isn't a laser tag set, but he was somehow even more impressed by a Nerf battle barbecue, which involved running around his mum's boyfriend's kitchen firing sponge projectiles at adults he barely knows. Paige went to confession, but presumably we only saw the edited highlights, as surely the full session would have run into several hours of screen time, and Jack proved that it's not just a medical profession in Erinsborough, which exists in some kind of vacuum where confidentiality laws don't apply. Thanks, Nayblog, at Nayblog on Twitter for more of his wisdom. And by the way, if this is the first time you're listening to Neighbours, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, you might want to go back and listen to some of the back catalogue because typically I'm joined with friends. Today, not so much. I've got a couple of cats scratching at the door. They don't know what's going on, so they might come in. But, you know, if you want to get a better vibe of the thing, check out some of the other apps. So I'm launching into the week of Monday, the 22nd of August. It feels like five years ago. And there's a stalker, obviously. We've, it's been a few weeks since the last stalker, so we're due for another one. And the stalker's left a happy anniversary card for Sonia and Toadie. And Sonia thinks Toadie's mailed her an anniversary card, which would be a pretty pathetic anniversary present. Like, I've posted you a card. Thanks, love. 
So the whole street's on high alert because they think this old codger, Clive, is uh, pursuing them all because he's anti-bike lanes, because he's anti-cyclists, cyclists of the devil. Now, I know some motorists in Melbourne are pretty passionate about getting cyclists off the road because they think they're the ones that are dangerous, not the big giant death machines driving around. But anyway, uh, so they all think this guy is capable of Pretty Little Liars style dropping sinister notes and um, releasing snakes on Erinsborough because, yeah, by the way, there are snakes on the loose. I don't understand. So staff has told Max that there's some dangerous shit going down and he's like, maybe bring me my kid back to Fiji. Also, by the way, how what is this custody arrangement? Is Charlie just spending the rest of the second half of this year in Melbourne, just leaves Fiji, leaves his education and his family to live in a share house Oh, so the other weird clue they find from this stalker is bikey Barbie. They find a staff-like Barbie doll in the garden in a leather jacket and Toadie just assumes it might be Nels. Who's buying a toddler bikey-themed toys and not being aware of it? So that's poor parenting. So they're all on high alert and um, they all seem to think that Belle Belle, Steph's ex, is somehow embroiled in this because it's like timed to... Who cares? I'm moving on. Um, now, I, the next thing I've written down here is Gazcan plus pigeon. And I don't think it's – I'm recording this early in the morning. It's too early for me to talk about this pigeon. So I'm going to skip right to the sexual assault storyline of the week. Aaron's SVU has had their work cut out for them. Okay. So, God, this was hard to sit through for the week because mainly they wouldn't tell us what happened. So Zancan wound up in a hotel room alone with Creeper whose name is Cooper, who is a frightening-looking kid. Anyway, they these kids have booked this hotel room out for their film project. And the whole bugbear that everybody had was that how could a, Alison's mother, a parent, just willy-nilly book a hotel room with no supervision for these teens to film themselves? And my question is, how did the rest of the parents sign off on this? Surely, like, nobody had any questions. Like, okay, I'm off to film my school project. Cool, where are you doing it? In a hotel room. Okay, have fun, sweetie. No one had follow-up questions. So that's problematic. So Zancan's wound up alone in this room with Creeper. And he's bailed her up. And then cut to the next scene. She's running off and she's freaked out. And we don't get to find out what happened. And it's kind of crucial. Because the rest of the week is based on this he said, she said, who are they going to believe storyline. And... You know, I'd like all the information before I'm launching a crusade against Creeper, which of course I did. So Zancan's traumatised by the alleged assault, which is what they're calling it. No one's saying the R word. No one's saying, and I know it's time. It's a time slot sensitive situation, but if you're going to do the storyline, figure out a way to say it. So no, it's what. Zancan's fake and sick. Colette and I didn't come down in the last shower. She's making her go to school. And at school, she quits her film group. And also they seem to have no guidelines for these short films, this media class. It's just like, go make a film. No criteria. Just go make one. And it can be any genre, any length, any budget. Like, how how is it allowed that these kids can go book a hotel room for their set? Surely you should have to just go, you know, out in the backyard and that's what you do. And that's what you're lumped with. So, Zankan's freaked out because she... D- can't be around these hideous people. So she quits the film team and Jodie Canasta, her intuitions kicked in and she realises something weird's going on with Zankan and Creeper. Meanwhile, Zankan's popped around to 
the Canning's back shed where Piper and Ben are reenacting the snake scenario for their project. Seems a bit like they've left there still the last minute if they've only just decided to make their project about the snake and that just happened. So Canasta pieces it all together. She confronts Xanthi and gets the story out of her. And the next thing you know, we're all around at the Cannings hearing about the quote-unquote assault. No more details. Nothing. I mean, she could have said, he forced himself on me. He made me go all the way and I wasn't ready. Like, there are ways of saying it. But no, we just get assault. So what did he do? Did he slap her on the face? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Is this about sexual consent or is it about a straight straight up violence? I need to know what I'm dealing with here because it's a pretty serious topic. So I might as well move on to the pigeon. The ceramic pigeon storyline of the week. Gazcan finds a pigeon and decides it's his lifelong friend. And he tracks this bird back to its owner. The owner's gone into a home, but not only does the own, does this pigeon owner own birds, he owns a stray cat, which is Piper's cat. And they didn't actually pick that up for the rest of the week. So they planted this seed that the cat's going to be taken off poor Piper at some point in the near future, which is traumatic. So Gazcan's moping around, sad, that his one and only pigeon friend is going to be taken off him. Tuesday, the 23rd of August, it's the aftermath of Zancan's revelation. She was attacked at the hotel room and Canasta suggests if they want, they can order organised counselling and, you know, that's probably not a negotiable point. I think if you reveal at that stage you've been attacked in a hotel room, maybe counselling is a given. Just saying. So the whole street's weighing in. It's a Lassiter's matter, but the parents okayed the project happening in the hotel room. Drab surprising no one, backs Creeper, says he's a good kid because he runs laps of the Oval. Let's believe him over the poor traumatised girl. Creeper's mum is the same brand of um, uppity mother. Same as Alison. Who are all these well-to-do parents that decided, I'm not going to send my kid to Eden Hills Grammar. Let's all just go to the local high school and I can... She's a surgeon. She's a surgeon. What's her kid doing? Unless, what's her kid doing at Erinsborough High? But anyway, there's this whole slew of buttoned up parents that look down on their kids' friends at the local public school. Weird. Oh, also, Susan is kind of conducting her own investigation before calling the police, asking about Zancan's history, saying the police are going to pry into her, her romantic history. It's going to be he said, she said. The poor girl, like, just get her down to the station, get the police to give her a state to take her statement, go to the hospital, get checked out, get all this done. Now, just to lighten up the mood, we're back with Tarage and Mads. Madison Robinson having a meeting in the penthouse office and they want to book live music at the Waterhole as if this is a revolutionary concept. Like, hey, we've got a bar. What if what if a band played or a singer played? Like, that would be cool. And Tarage is flipping through the albums, CD albums, trying to choose an artist uh, as you do. And Madison finds a CD in there from the 90s and starts humming along to Leonardo's Bride. And a couple of questions spring to mind. One, is this the only song that they had unlimited rights to? Two, is someone on the production family friends with members of Leonardo's Bride? I don't know. So Madison is springing into gear trying to brainstorm artists for this gig at the Waterhole which suddenly seems to be coming upon them urgently, even though they just decided to do it. At this point, Ned is at the bar wearing an apron. He's a bartender. That's his new job. 
I don't know why he couldn't get his job back at the tattoo parlor, but whatever. He's in an apron. Well done. And Mads is not having any luck with the record reps. She's calling them all and no one has available artists to play a bar gig. Now, Melbourne has a very active music scene. You could throw something yourself and hit a musician that's willing to play a gig at short notice. You could put a Facebook announcement and hit a bunch of musicians that are like, I'll be there. Seven o'clock, got my guitar, got an amp, Bob's your uncle. But no, I don't quite know also the genre of who they want because they're making all these phone calls and the next thing you know, Paul has booked out or every lounge singer in Melbourne, all the lounge singers. And uh, I didn't know Melbourne had lounge singers plural, but sure, he's booked them all out. Again, weird genre of gig. Like it's a young pub. All the locals hang out there. Okay, I guess it is a suburban pub. Suburban pub, I think of one thing. I think of rock cover band. Rock cover band. That's all you get. You get someone who plays weddings and they'll play the pub and then you that's it. So Aaron puts in a call of someone he used to be a backing dancer for. I didn't know that the as an erotic dancer, he also booked uh, really glamorous backing dancer gigs. That's a really interesting crossover, but well done, Aaron. You're very resourceful. So there's this thing of Rhonda Riley, who I think is a poor man's Rhonda Birchmore, who is fabulous. Google her if you don't know Rhonda Birchmore, and um, it's a real missed opportunity for a cameo from her. Um, While he's booked Rhonda Riley, Madison sings a few bars of Rhonda Riley's latest lounge hit and wows them all, wows everybody. And people acting like singing is... As rare a talent as someone who can play the bagpipes. Like, wow. Madison, you can sing. It's like, yeah, not hard, guys. Most people can carry a tune. Right, got to let the cat in. Now, most of us are of one mind when it comes to this Madison singing storyline. I should be able to cover off most of the points. My main issue is that if you are at the point where you can sing pretty well, to the point where... Even knowing all the lyrics to a song, you've got to be fairly confident. Okay, I do karaoke. You have to know all the lyrics to a lot of songs. Well, actually, the words are up on the screen, whatever. How is she so shy that she can develop this kind of very pop voice, which to me requires, I think, even lessons to get that sound? Most people have that kind of... Most people can sing either like from the school choir or singing along to the radio. But to get that real pop sound, someone's taught her that. So... I call bullshit that she's this shy little violet. So, hit pause on that one. Talk about Ellie and Ned for a second. Weird old couple. They're trying to plan a second date. They're at the waterhole and Ellie is being a massive bitch to Ned. He is asking her if he wants to go for a drink and a movie. She says, you're not even trying. So, he's like got to go off and, I don't know, go on a red balloon and book a picnic on the Yarra Valley or something. It's the second date. Go for coffee and chill out. So she's on this whole treat him mean, keep him keen kick, which is a really dangerous message to be sending out in the same episode where you're dealing with a sexual consent storyline, but whatever neighbours, you do you. And by the end of the episode, Ned's jack of getting rejected by Ellie and he takes Madison out for a drink. And then at the end of the episode, Creeper is attacked off screen. We don't get to see it, but someone has sought retaliation for his treatment of Xanthi and he's been beaten up. I think now's a good time though to hear from Haley. At Father Bananas on Twitter and check her out on the Art of Neighbours Facebook group. She's got some mad skills. 
She's kind of summing up a lot of where I'm at at the moment on Neighbours' treatment of women. So, Hayley, take it away. Hi, Neighbours. I bring you unsolicited rage this week, and this rage is directed at the entirety of Neighbours. I think it's pretty obvious to everyone that the show is at an incredibly low point at the minute, and I have a theory about why. Maybe it's because so many storylines are all around stalking, sexual assault, or violence against women. To go through a list, number one, Paige getting punched in the face. Admittedly, I enjoyed this one, but it's an example nonetheless. Number two, Paige continuing to stalk and attempt to seduce a priest. Number three, Zankan's unspecified sexual assault by Cooper Knights, a character whose name is so similar to Didger's attempted rapist Chris Knight that I think they did a find and replace on the script. And following on from that, people like Drab insinuating that she's just exaggerating. Number four, sex tapes galore. There was Paige and Tyler at the divorce party, and thanks to Underwear Cleaning Pimp, there will also now exist sex tapes of him and Ellie, almost him and Amy, presumably Ben and Alison, and Zankan's assault. Number five, the mere existence of Underwear Cleaning Pimp. Number six, first Sonia and then Steph getting stalked, the latter featuring a deranged man using a phallic weapon, snakes, to take down a bisexual woman because her lesbian ex doesn't love him. Number seven, Paul forcing Gazcan to seduce Terage in order to destroy her. Number eight, Ned's creepy lock of blonde hair, unless it turns out he's performing voodoo on the original Brad. Number nine, photos of Amy in lingerie distributed about the town and published in newspapers without her consent. Number ten, Ellie's ex-boyfriend sending her money instead of supporting her through a miscarriage. That's emotional abuse. So there you have it. It's saddening that the only women on the show not being targeted in some way are Susan, Madison, Sheila and Nell. It makes you long for a ceramic pig storyline. I guess this week's ceramic pigeon will have to do. Here, here, Hayley amazingly said, I agree with every single point. And it's all it's almost a bit Game of Thronesy. Just chucking in some abuse just for kicks, not for any reason. Not to have any, not to give any strong message. Not to develop any of these female characters in any way. Just because someone in the story room thought, hey, here's a thing that can happen. All right, Wednesday the 24th of August, Gary's decided to take up the hobby of flying, of raising homing pigeons. Okay, what's happened is a day's gone by and I've gone to work and now I've come back and I've seen Tuesday's episode, the 30th of August, and I'm even more outraged now than I was when I just started before. Because it's come out that Cooper, Creeper's mum, has been abusing him and that's led him to somehow disrespect the boundaries in his personal relationships, which then led to him disrespecting Xanthi and disregarding her lack of consent. I'm so exhausted. So we, it's bad enough that we're not going to resolve the issue of this young man's disregard for a woman's boundaries. But the whole thing was caused by a woman's violence against her son. So now that somehow excuses it. Uh, I can't even deal. I can't even deal. So let's just talk about pigeons. Gary's pigeons. We're at the canning house. Zankan calls them flying rats. And I'm inclined to agree. Okay, here's what's happened again had grand plans to talk about Gary's pigeons. But then another day went by and I had another day of work. It's been hectic, guys, hectic. And Wednesday's episode dropped 
Wednesday, 31st of August. And I think this is Neighbours' lowest ebb, and I'm including the superhero adventure girl storyline in all of that. So I just mentioned Cooper's had this tragic backstory written for him conveniently to excuse his reprehensible behaviour, and Ben and co. deduce that his mother has been beating him because she's been disappointed that he's stuffed up and won't be able to go to study med at uni. The fact that she hasn't had clues up until now that this kid wasn't going to get into med school, I don't know, bit iffy, because I took one look at him and he doesn't know how hair ties work, so how's he going to be able to diagnose people? I don't know. So the then, oh God, what happened was it takes a whole bunch of really sympathetic blokes to lend an ear to Cooper. It was really considerate of them. You had Ben, you had Tyler gathering around and telling him it was okay to open up about his feelings and share the pain that he's gone through because there were people around him to support him through this and he needs to go to the authorities and they'll be on his side. Well, uh, where was all of that support when Zancan was trying to share her experience about being assaulted? Uh, Within a few minutes of her bringing this to light, the entire playground, including her teachers and principal, are gossiping about whether or not she's telling the truth. No benefit of the doubt for the victim here. And then, to top it all off, they don't even get the police to handle it. They just gather around and have a cup of tea at Susan's house and suddenly she's taking statements and passing judgment. So many problems. And then, the police resolve Cooper's attack, which by the way they approve because the video of the moment of the incident has turned up via Tourage, via Lassiter's, via Erotic Cleaning Pimp. God, so many problems with the way women are being treated and victimised on this program with no justification. Oh yeah, so the cops charge Creeper's mother, the surgeon, and then send Creeper back down to the canning house to say soz to Zancan. Sorry if I hurt your feelings by pushing the physical boundaries despite your reluctance. And Zankan just decides she's going to let it go. He's had a hard enough time. So the lesson Neighbours is giving us is if a female is disrespected, she's going to be judged and gossiped about in the schoolyard. And men who are victimised are given a shoulder to cry on and nothing but understanding and support. Because of course, the ultimate perpetrator is a woman. I can't even handle the message that this is showing and no one on the cast is expressing this double standard and taking a stand against it, but God forbid there's no bike lanes in Erinsborough. So I've lost all will to talk about Gary's pigeons and I put the call out. There There was some rage. There was some rage flying on Twitter, twit rage, and I asked for that rage to be vocalised in the Neighbours Pod inbox, neighbourspod at gmail.com. Anytime you want to have a chat, our inbox is open. And I'm going to pass all of this over to you guys who are probably more with it at the moment to explain some of these problems. I still haven't unpacked the box with my bras in it. I don't know whether I'm coming or going right now. So we have messages from Rachel, Rachel J. Ryan. Uh, like so many others, I'm filled with complete rage at the way that Neighbours has chosen to handle the Xanthian Cooper storyline. They had the option of doing a really good, well, really good, this is Neighbours, but, you know, a decent stab at 
sexual assault, but instead they messed it all up. Even if, as Alison put it, it was only a kiss, Xanthi was still sexually assaulted. She did not consent to it and Cooper went ahead and forcibly kissed her anyway. That can only have been an extremely traumatising experience for her to go through. And I'm quite sure there will be many other girls and guys watching it who've gone through similar things. And I'm really, like, appalled to think that some of them, some young impressionable people might be watching Neighbours and thinking that if they go to the authorities, they, if they speak up, tell their friends, they tell their teachers that they're not going to be believed, that they're going to have a teacher like Ellie saying, what did you do to make him so angry? They're going to have teachers like Susan saying, oh, but he was always such a nice boy. And teachers like Brad, who go, oh, I'm not one of these blame the girl guys, when clearly, Brad, you fucking are. They could have had, a, you know, an all right attempt at sexual assault. Cooper's a guest character. We don't give a shit about what Cooper does or about his motives. It could have been really good about... Even if they were going to have the teachers or people generally not believe Santhi, because unfortunately, you know, experience tells us that a lot of people aren't um, believed. They could still have had, you know, the evidence coming out. Although, I mean, the fact that the evidence came out because of blackmail plot is also ridiculous. Just stick to one thing. And Xanthi being, you know believed eventually, having her day in court, and really, ultimately, the whole point of the storyline being a consent one. No means no. But it wasn't. Instead, they chose to do a domestic child abuse, which could have been done completely separately. Cooper could have been taking out his frustrations on the pitch. He could have been bullying someone. He could have been angry in class. You know, they could have found out about it that way. And it would, that would have also been an equally worthwhile and valid storyline to do, but they've messed the two up and they've excused sexual assault with Cooper being abused, and that's just not okay. In fact, a prime candidate for a domestic child abuse storyline would have been Jaden. Jaden is a little prick, but and Sue, we know, is like dodgy as fuck. So we could have had the fact that Sue or her husband actually was hitting, or even, you know, being emotionally abusive, towards Jade and that's how he chooses to take it out. That would have actually worked with a character that we know that we've invested a lot more time in than Cooper. But instead, they didn't. I don't know why they did this. They had the perfect opportunity to do two different and equally worthwhile stories. But instead, they've chosen to focus on Cooper's rights, Cooper, Cooper the victim rather than Xanthe the victim. Xanthe was actually really mature. I don't think her response was uh, disproportionate. I can understand why she's full of sort of sympathy or for Cooper. That's her decision to make. The police, Susan, Erinsborough High, I mean, dark day for Erinsborough High, dark day for Erinsborough Police Force. Nobody in this situation behaved well at all. And if I were Gary Canning, I'd be taking Erinsborough High, the local authority, government, whoever the hell it is that controls it, and suing the fuck out of them for dragging my daughter's name through the mud, for not believing her, for traumatising her further by making her sit in class with her, you know, the guy who assaulted her. And then for just generally screwing up the whole thing. I'm just really angry by it. And, you know, you're meant to send and record funny voice memos for neighbours, but instead, unfortunately, you're getting a lot of angry rants from us, but hey-ho, cheers, neighbours.
Hello, Andy here, Andy Briz on Twitter. So much to rage this week about this whole assault charge debacle. My main issue, and there are many, uh, is the fact that they keep calling it an assault charge, but not giving any more information about it. Is it an assault or is it rape? Um, What kind of assault is it? Is it a physical one, a sexual one? Nobody knows. How the audience are meant to invest when we literally have no idea what happened is ludicrous. Um, And they did this with Tourage a few months ago as well. Okay, bye from me. Timmy Badger. The Xanthi storyline has really annoyed me. I know Neighbours is just meant to be a fairly light-hearted soap, touching on issues but staying light-hearted at its core, but I just can't help but feel that if you've decided to do a storyline that focuses around abuse and consent, that you need to be brave enough to tackle it properly. This is a subject that's rightly being talked about all over the world at the moment. You only have to look on Twitter or YouTube to see lots written or said on the subject. So it all starts with some classic teenage nonsense, which ends up with Xanthi alone in a hotel room with Cooper. Now I don't know why I suppose the classy hotel would allow a bunch of teenagers to use it for filming a school project anyway, but then this is a hotel that lets anyone up to the penthouse office, so I guess security isn't really on their radar. So we, we then find out that Xanthi has been attacked. Uh, we're not sure to what extent due to the time the programme airs, but still. She said no and Cooper hasn't listened, which of course is not okay. So it all comes out and the complaint is made. And then first we have Ben and Piper not really believing it, taking Cooper's word that Xanthi has come on to him, which really annoyed me. These people are supposedly her best friends. Ben is apparently in love with her, but still chose to believe some chump's account first. The next major issue I have is with the school's approach to the complaint. So we have Susan, the headmistress, Ellie and Brad, two of the teachers, God knows where any of the other teachers are, and they're all discussing the case in the corridor at school. And then we have Brad jumping on the victim-blaming train straight away. Now, that in itself wasn't too bad because it was quickly shut down by Ellie and as victim-blaming is a big problem in our society, I thought, well done for showing that side of it, but also showing it's wrong. At that point, any of the good work the Neighbours writers had done previously was pissed away in a matter of an episode. Cooper is not only allowed back to school before the incident has been investigated and resolved, but is allowed in the same class as Xanthi. In what world would that happen? Then Cooper gets a beating, and out of nowhere he manages to get an intervention order against Gary. Are you kidding me? Based on no evidence, no eyewitness, nothing he can get an intervention order. So finally the truth all comes out via the hidden video and then Cooper turns up at Xanthi's door to talk to her. The police said I should speak to you first. No, that's not how policing works in anywhere, real or make-believe. You don't send the accused round a victim's house to talk them out of pressing charges. And also, because of the stupid intervention order, Gary had to stand in the sodding utility room in his own frickin' house. Then came the most irresponsible part of the storyline. Xanthi's ordeal was brushed under the carpet so that we could all focus on feeling sorry for Cooper. We're led to believe this was a one-off and it wasn't his fault because his mum hits him. Bollocks. Remember, this is the guy that walked Xanthi home a few weeks back and demanded a kiss because he'd walked her all that way. Neighbours really let a lot of people down with how they wrapped up this story. 
This was a perfect chance to highlight the issue of consent, show that it's not okay to ignore the word no, and show that there are consequences if you do. Instead, they showed that if you speak up, you'll be ignored and your friends won't believe you. And if you've got your own sob story, then you can get away with anything. Old mates, Sarah and Paul. Sarah C.P. Jones, Paul to Dart. Right, so I want to talk about how Ben Kirk is awful. Well, first of all, he didn't want to go out with Zankan. He didn't really like Zankan because Ben Kirk is supposed to be, one, a genius. Remember that? Because he drew a picture or wrote a story from the perspective of a galar or something. I don't know. But anyway, that was a genius move. And so he went to special school um, and that was great for him. And then he comes back able to play the guitar annoyingly. Stop it. Um, I think everyone in Labour who sings or plays an instrument is annoying. Yeah. Just just sh- like, even Howell. Like, it's funny, the tuba, but, like, you know, tubas have... Did he ever really play the tuba, though? Only for comedy effect. Really. Exactly. It's but I'm very fun. much in favour of this euphonium stress relief. Yes, we need more of that. More of that. She, she, she must be very stressed right now. She should get parping. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't want to go out of Zankan because she... Zankan is like, oh, I want to be reality, reality TV star. Let's steal clothes and be on Instagram or something. I don't know. And he was all like, oh, I'm going to call indie music. And I like, yeah, you could see why she, he would think she was a dickhead. You know, different strokes for different folks, right? And he would probably obviously fancy Piper, but whatever neighbours, fine, we'll go with it. I then think because she's fancy Piper. Yeah. Why isn't there more Ben Piper lust? Piper. Pen. <laughs> okay. So, but then Zankan's hot and he's a teenage boy. It's fine. So he likes it now. So, Gazcan pays Ben to take her to the formal and he pays him $300, which I don't know about the exchange rate. And normally at this point, I would say something rude about the Australian dollar, but after Brexit, and I can't. But anyway, so it's not that much, is it, though? $300. It's like an amount. It's like a good amount for a child. Who hasn't had that much Good amount for a child, but for an adult, that probably, much. like, yeah. if you're trying to bribe someone. It wouldn't impress Paul. It wouldn't impress Paul. No. Okay. Good. So. That's um, probably Paul's macchiato habit for a week. Yeah. So, but then he decides he does like Zankan. They kiss at the formal, and you're like, okay, fine. But from that point on, Ben is just, a, like, a massive douche. He's like, oh, great. You didn't, oh, actually, I don't want to go out with you. And she's like, oh, great. And then. You know, she turns up late, so he, like, literally, like, nearly fucks someone she hates. Like, that's an extreme reaction to someone being a bit late. Yeah, but wasn't it? I mean, yeah, but teenagers, I guess. Oh, why? If you were a teenager, which you were once, and there was a girl you fancied and you were going to go on a date with her, yeah, and you'd already got it on a little bit once, and she was, like, half an hour late, would you just bang the next woman who you saw? Or would you just like, I might keep that on the back burner as like, maybe she doesn't like me, but okay, maybe, you know, but you wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, (laughs) roll on to that. No worries. (laughs) And then he's like, Rando Cooper, who nobody likes and who... Well, who hasn't a feature. Who was mute the first time Santi went out with him for presumably budgetary reasons, which is great. And like, is a completely new character. Yeah. But, you know, presumably they know him in backstory land. He's like, oh, Zankan threw herself at me. And, like, Ben, who supposedly fancies Zankan, is like, oh, yeah, she would definitely lie about that. It's just 
shit, isn't it? He's just a shit. He basically believes Cooper immediately, and then Susan's like, "Oh, did you do you do you know anything about the fact that like Dan Cam was assaulted? You know, have you heard anything? Like, what has that got to do with anything, Susan?" But anyway, and he's like, mm, "I did hear an unsubstantiated rumor from the man who was accused." Oh right, well, good one. Oh, what a, what a lovely friend you are. Oh, I hate him. But can we now just reenact our little the scene we've been playing out? with Madison and Aaron. Do you want to be Madison or Aaron? I'll be Madison. Okay, cool. Right. You go. Oh, I can't I can't find anyone to sing in the pub when I've just been asked like they want someone in two hours and like turns out that no one's available at two hours notice. G'day. With some social media help? Ah, oh, maybe. I mean I like to sing. <laughs> Amazing! You can sing. I'll get on Twitter. No, Madison. You insult us, neighbours. You insult our loyal viewing figures. I've been watching for 30 years. Sickens me. Sickens me. Instagram, coat hangers, warbling. No. Madison just needs to leave. But do you know who I hate more than Madison? Fucking shitbag Ellie. Don't call your, your pupils babe. And don't hump dry hump people wet hump people in the pool <laughs> wet hump if it's in a pool right uh, I guess so yeah oh, yeah. Ellie is a person yeah that's definitely a teacher I don't know but she's like Susan's shitty sister's child isn't she I just think Susan as a head teacher wouldn't accept that kind of teacher in her school no like Ellie's she's always like Brad do a better job stop just drawing in chalk yeah but she's like oh cool Ellie why don't you listen to conversations give random detentions and call student's babe and then cry in the corridor i know why didn't piper just call her out and just be like okay i'm gonna go to susan you're gonna explain why i've got attention for having a chat with my friend and she's also mean to ned in his lovely new apron yeah when did ned get that job magically i can't remember i mean they did say get a job so i guess he got a job yeah Yeah. but no one else wears that apron do they no maybe butchery on the side you never see sheila wearing that they must get their meat from somewhere yeah. And on that note, bye neighbours. Bye. Sarah. Sarah underscore Rose underscore G. Thea, hi. Hi everyone. I just wanted to be upbeat for a minute because I'm about to be a real Debbie Downer. Today I watched an episode of Neighbours that hand on heart has honestly wrecked the show for me and I don't know if I can watch it again. And I'm saying that as someone who has loyally watched for 20 years. Like, that's most of my life I've watched Neighbours, probably more than 20 years. And I, today I just feel like I'm done. And that's really, really sad. And I want to get into why, because I actually think it's really serious. And I think that the Neighbours writing went beyond frustrating today and veered into the wildly irresponsible. When I first heard that Neighbours was going to ta- tackle the issue of sexual abuse, I was really nervous because, quite frankly, Neighbours has a shocking history of tackling sensitive issues. I mean, we all know that someone will become disabled somehow and then miraculously recover within a few weeks or that someone will be an alcoholic and be diagnosed and then go off to rehab for half a day and come back cured and no one ever speaks of it again. I mean, Imogen's bulimia 
those tend to be issues that plague people for their whole lives. And I get it, Neighbours is a nutbeat soap. And I really don't feel like it should be trying so hard. I think it should, it's, it, Neighbours is at its best when it's ridiculous and we can all kind of pick it apart and laugh at it. But when it, when it tries to delve into things that real people go through and are really affected by, it fails. It fails, shockingly. Take Lauren losing her husband, for example. That was addressed very briefly a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, for the last couple of years, she hasn't given a shit. Like, she, she couldn't have given a shit. I know that watching someone grieve for months and months would be a bit depressing, but it, it's aggravating. It's aggravating to see that Therese, a few month after, months after her son died, is absolutely fine and dandy. So I'm really annoyed because I thought, OK, just steer clear of sexual abuse, neighbours, because you, you don't have the resources to handle it. I did give it the benefit of the doubt at first. I was I was really nervous, but I thought, right, well, let's let's see how it pans out. Let's be fair here. Maybe someone of the staff has been through something like this or knows someone who's gone through something like this. It might be dear to their heart and they might do a magnificent job, whatever that is, and and we I might be eating my words. And oh man, I was so wrong. The first thing that bothered me was basically they couldn't really say what happened to Xanthi. They basically made what happened to Xanthi kind of a part of the mystery and that that felt so cheap to me and like it degraded the, the gravity of what happened to her. And the other thing that really bothered me at first, and this is before I even get to the story's shocking conclusion, the, the thing that really bothered me was how from the off the whole story was about everybody but Xanthi. The story was about whether or not a group of school kids finish a school project. Then the story was about whether or not Gary goes to jail. And then the story was about whether or not Therese chooses to share this footage that will save Xanthi. I don't know, save her from what? The thing already happened to her. So it kind of felt like Xanthi's feelings and Xanthi's experience was being lost. So it, it, I kind of thought, okay, we'll give it time because, you know, it's, it's early days and, and people who've been through something like this, they don't always, you know, break down right away. It doesn't always affect them right away. It can take a long time. And I don't know why I had any hope. <laughs> because within a week of this thing happening, we have this shoehorned in bizarre plot about child abuse where Cooper's mum, a woman, incidentally, beats him up and we're supposed to believe that's why he lashed out at Xanthi. But... One, I don't think that domestic violence, as terrible as it is, is an excuse for sexual assault. And two, it shifted the focus even further from Xanthi and onto Cooper as the victim and protagonist of this sorry tale. There's quite a cultural history um, of young men with bright futures who don't seem like the type getting away with things because, you know, think of their future. And... That's what Neighbours did. They basically said, oh, well, you know, he's learned his lesson. Xanthi drops any charges against him. Let, give him some counselling, sort him out, and all's well that ends well. Xanthi's fine, everyone's fine. And that just wasn't good enough. Like, I think it was just excruciatingly irresponsible writing. I think it was an insult to anyone who's been through any kind of a sexual assault. And... It it wasn't victim blaming, but it was it was making the perpetrator into the victim. And I, I think it would have been a really good idea to have a teaching moment about consent in some way, as Vea says, a teachable moment, teaching moment, I don't know. But Cooper felt like Xanthi owed him because he walked her home, which shows just a fundamental lack of understanding of how consent works. Until a couple of days ago, he was laughing and joking about what happened with his friends and calling Xanthi a liar. And the only reason that anyone knows what happened is because some creep videotaped the whole thing. So, so really, if 
Cooper hadn't been caught, he would he would still be going around lying. He would still be a danger to women. And I don't believe for a second that he's not a danger to women anymore. Like, I know it's not real. I know it's a soap. But someone like that who, until a couple of days ago, felt so entitled and understood consent in such a minimal way that they were willing to force themselves on a classmate is not miraculously cured overnight by being caught or by talking about their abuse issues. Like, it, it's just nonsense. He he needs to go to jail. He's a danger to women. And I just feel like, in real life, if he was let off the hook, how would they explain that to the next girl he attacked? Like, oh, yeah, no, we had the chance to send him to jail, but he, look, he looks sorry. I mean, 20 years of my life, this has been my guilty pleasure. And today there was just no pleasure in watching Neighbours. Like, oh... I don't mind when it's frustrating and I don't mind when it's silly and I don't mind when it's ludicrous because that's why we love Neighbours. We love to hate it and we love to pick it apart. But when it's irresponsible, when it's basically teaching impressionable young people, and you do see that a lot of young people watch Neighbours, like on Twitter, on Facebook, you see that a lot of people who maybe don't have the best understanding and grounding in things like this are watching and they're absorbing this. Yeah, so Neighbours had an opportunity and I feel like they absolutely blew it and I'm so disappointed. And I don't know what I'm going to do because, you know, it's a big part of my life, weirdly, Neighbours. It's it's always been this comforting lunchtime thing that I do. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. And it's and there's such a lovely community around it. And I don't want to not be a part of that. But I feel like I can't watch a show that advocates effectively the men in this manifesto. Um, and it's not even just a political thing. It's just a basic human decency thing. It's... Uh, yeah, so I'm gutted and I'm disappointed and I'm bummed out and I don't know about everyone else or what everyone else thought, but yeah, today really, really upset me. And I think that's going to do it for this week. And we'll see if Neighbours can redeem itself between now and the next podcast. Thank you to everyone who sent us an email who's been tweeting their rage. It's been a rough week. Anyway, have a chat to us, NeighborsPod, on Twitter, facebook.com slash NeighborsPodcast. I'm Vaya Pashos, and we'll chat to you next time. Mm-hmm.